I have to do the stinger, don't I? Oh, no. It's a wiki how. <laughs> I have to do the stinger because you laugh like that every time I do it now, and it's really good. I forgot that there was a stinger. <laughs> I was like, uh, a stinger? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> oh no the wiki how is gonna kill us both someday the wiki how gods but, are gonna come and smote us <laughs> but you found this wiki how and i'm gonna share it and then we're gonna talk about it and it's it's how to look like a woman <laughs> tell me cam how what? do i look like a woman <laughs> I mean, oh god, gotta. Ooh, is it getting hot in here? I... <laughs> Whether you're a trans woman experimenting with drag or simply want to add some feminine flair to your look, there are many reasons you might want to look like a woman. <laughs> Women come in all, in every shape, size, and dress in every imaginable style. Okay, so as usual, WikiHow is here's the specific way to do it. But by the, by way, the way, it's a- all the ways. Every way yeah. is okay. We're just going to tell you the fucking good. right way. You do this other way, and you're not a fucking woman. <laughs> You're not a woman. So the first is about wearing feminine clothing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Body shaping underwear. Body suits, girdles, and corsets can tuck your waist and create a classic hourglass. I hate this. I hate this already. Because girdles do not... Girdles are not shapewear. Like, they are underwear. I... Corsets are also not shapewear, necessarily. They... And also this idea, again... We're going to dig into the potential misogyny in this thing here. I always wonder who wrote these wiki house. This one, they look like female names, potentially. It might have been a woman reading. Actually, I think we've agreed it's probably just AI writing. Oh, all probably. Shit anyway. yeah, so... yeah. The images for these are ridiculous. <laughs> They're really bad. Especially this next one. Highlight your legs with some beautiful hosiery. Not, okay, two words. Beautiful and hosiery that doesn't come from the mind of a human that has to be a Some robot beautiful hosiery also can we just say how similar hoosier which is a term that indiana people <laughs> use for themselves and hosiery sounds yeah a hoosier and hosiery that's a really nice tongue twister okay how hot tops. is this hoosier and hoosiery <laughs> No, hosiery. Oh, no. Oh, no. You made me think of Mike Pence wearing (laughs) pantyhose now. (laughs) Old man leg. Oh, no. Okay. The next one is try tops with soft flowing details. And then the shirt this person is wearing is a pirate shirt. It just is. I'm always a fan of loose flowy tops and also clothing. But no, a pirate shirt? They want you to wear a pirate shirt. It's loose and flowing in that it's got, like, all that bunchy material yeah, up at the top. very loose it just, and flowing. It just scr- it screams pirate to me. <laughs> Wear heels for a sexy feminine look. To instantly add a womanly touch to your outfit, put on a pair of heels. Sorry, if I put on a pair of heels, I'm going to look like a guy falling on his face <laughs> in a pair of heels. There's nothing sexy or feminine about that for also, me. Also, heels do not instantly make you feminine or sexy. I can throw on heels right now, and I tell you what, I'm not going to look sexy. I'm going to look like a woman who's done with her shit. (laughs) Ready to kick some ass with some heels on. And then finally in the wear, it's add a few feminine accessories to your look. The right accessories. Hey, wait, this line is in every one of these about clothes. The right accessories can add blah, 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 blah. In this case, a feminine flair to any outfit. We faced this with the freaking non-binary one the last time that we We were We did, because didn't they say (laughs) add some non-binary accessories? And it was like... What? Huh? What does that even mean? <laughs> what is that? Also, I think we agreed that the suspenders was oh, yeah. definitely that's a suspenders good non-binary accessory. So, except both yeah. ties, I think of fucking Tucker Carlson. So I don't know. Oh no! What is wrong with I their know. brains today? Oh god! First, now I'm thinking about Tucker Carlson and pantyhose. God, this is terrible. <laughs> have you seen the conservatives redone by AI in drag? Yes, I outfits? have. Oh, they're so yeah. good. Listeners, if you've not looked that up or that meme hasn't crossed your desk, you should probably look it up because it is very funny. So we've gotten you these documents you requested. We weren't sure they were all drag queens. And I think this one kind of looks like Mitch McConnell. But here you go. File these at your leisure. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to skip over the feminizing makeup and hairstyles, mostly because it's not funny. It's just sad that we feel that in order to look like a woman, you have to put makeup on. Sorry, I, that is a way for sure. And there's some great femme looks like 
wonderful shade of lipstick that you are currently wearing. But then method three, which is the last method, by the way, is changing your body. That's a little more intense than just looking feminine. Change your body? So there are body? three areas here. Mm, change your body. So one is laser hair removal treatments to reduce face and body hair. Sure. If you don't want body hair, that's fine. But there is nothing not feminine about having body hair. I'm sorry. Have you seen the hot-ass women with, like, unshaped armpits? Like, I hate body hair personally on everyone. No judgment to anyone who likes body hair. It's just not my thing. But there are definitely some women wearing, like, beautiful gowns who have unshaved armpits and are the hottest fucking women on earth. So, yeah. Stop putting your weird hair expectations on everybody, and in this yeah. case, women. Number Listen, two is plastic surgery. I don't care about surgery. your fucking whore- hair king. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's definitely, everything has a fetish. So number two is plastic surgery. So yeah, I guess if you have an idea in your head of what feminization looks like and you want to do that, but well, how do we start with wear a dress and heels and go to, you should just probably go get that all chopped up for yourself also i recently went to an appointment for top surgery which is plastic surgery and um, it's not that simple you guys it's really not that simple you can't just get (laughs) plastic surgery especially if you're a trans woman (laughs) but the final two are things that we talk about all the time number three is talk to your doctor about hormone treatments And number four is look into gender reassignment surgery, which we would say gender affirming surgery. Wiki how. Let's update our antiquated terminology. Come on, get better. Uh huh. We believe in you, Wiki how. Oh, Wiki how's Wiki how's never getting better. That's why we keep coming back to the fountain of comedy here. That is this tragically misinformed website. God, freaking Wiki how's. I swear, is this the one with the creepy teeth too, or am I making that up? Yeah. I don't know who the artist is, and I don't want to diss any artist, but it's always the weirdest, uncanny clip art that you've ever seen in these things. (laughs) This doctor looks like a Muppet. (laughs) Like, if Jim Henson had created a doctor's face, this is the guy. He has no, he's got wrinkles on his forehead, but nowhere else on his face. A slick back gray hair, and... No other identifying features. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Muppet doing whatever (laughs) Dr. Muppet can. It's funny if you combine those things, Dr. Teeth was a Muppet. Yeah, that's true. Shit. All right. We're getting off the rails here. On to the episode. Hi, I'm Anna, a transgender person. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is The Transgender, a podcast chronicling my transition. And a cisgender man learning how to support it. We are so excited to have Rebecca Miner with us today, sharing her experiences and the work that she's doing to really be trans-affirming, especially with parents and caregivers. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. We are so excited to have you here. I cannot stress that enough. (laughs) The work you do is amazing. And I guess our first question, the question that we ask all of our guests is, tell us everything about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell us like everything. Everything. Yeah, like just everything. Yeah. (laughs) Where could I start? I could have prepared for this question if I... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well... We love to throw people off yeah. with that one. So here you are. <laughs> I love it. I might tell you more than you were asking for, but feel free to just Great. cut me off. So I I guess we'll start with current grounding in reality. So I, as you said, my name is Rebecca. I use she, her pronouns. I identify as a queer or neuroqueer femme. I am a gender specialist, which means I partner with queer and trans youth in their journey of becoming and am a guide to their parents in affirming it. And I'm a yoga teacher. And I don't usually share that one. But you gave me such an open question that I was like, what else can I randomly say? What kind of yoga are you instructing? I know just enough to ask that question. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so my, my, <laughs> I have my 200 hour vinyasa training yeah, certification. Yeah. But the longer I practice, the more I used to be more interested in like really complicated poses and like heated power. And now I'm like, what if everything was so slow? (laughs) So I love a yin class, but all styles I'm open to. We're dabblers. You're dabbling. I've got a couple more, I think. I love vinyasa. I was like, I'm actually not a dabbler. I identify as a I identify as a yoga (laughs) practitioner. I love vinyasa. I like 
started a couple years before my transition and really found like it was a really affirming way for me to move my body that felt good and not I love that. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. And that's part of why I love teaching because I really I started doing it because I had my own incredible experience practicing yoga. But also I wanted to bring that into the clinical space and I didn't want to get sued. So I was like, I'll get certified. <laughs> I love that. So that then I can yeah, so that then I can offer more trauma-informed, resilience-oriented yoga practices, especially for folks who tend to be disconnected from their bodies. Love yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome. You said that you'd give us more information than we than you thought we would want. But... <laughs> then we got on a yoga tangent. Yeah, we derailed you on yoga. That's exactly <laughs> the kind of shit that we want to hear on this podcast. I'm so glad. So, Rebecca, what is a gender specialist? What does that encompass? So most days it looks like me doing individual therapy with usually 12 and up, often high school, college age folks um, who are somewhere in their journey of becoming, whether that's around, most often it's around gender identity, but often around the various intersection of identities that folks hold. And then I run some groups, ones for trans high schoolers or gender expansive high schoolers, and the other is a young adult neuroqueer group. Once I discovered the significant overlap and intersection of trans and identities and neurodivergence, I was like, there has to be a space for this. And all my clients were like, oh, at the same time. So I was like, why don't we make a group? <laughs> we love the term neurospicy here on our podcast. It is one <laughs> of my favorite terms. But have you heard the controversy about it? No. though? No. Okay. So there's controversy, y'all. Oh, no. Yeah, please I tell know. us. So I also love that term and I thought it was like fun and a little yeah. bit spicy. There is a discourse around it, like many terms, where I think there are folks who feel like it is too playful and a bit of a, now I'm losing my words, but you know how everyone's like, oh, everyone's a little OCD. Like that neurospicy feels right. like, oh, I have a little bit of that, but don't have to live with the real challenges and like consistent oppression of being part of a marginalized community. That's a very good point. Yeah. I actually yeah. have not thought about that. And that's really good. But I'm a little bit like, what if we could hold both of these truths yeah. and words can be words. I love that. <laughs> we tend to fall more in a things are nuanced and we want to be really mindful of how words impact people. We're also want to encourage people to give room in, in yeah. terms. Yeah. I just had a really interesting discussion with somebody who was really gatekeeping the word gray sexual on Twitter. That alone is a very gray term. So why are we <laughs> gatekeeping that? <laughs> yes. And good for you for just bothering with being in the Twitter landscape in general. <laughs> I keep telling Anna, you need to take away my Twitter <laughs> privileges for our transgender account because it's it's wearing, it's taxing. <laughs> yeah, you might just need to do it one of these times. My whole thought is every minute that we can spend taking up a transphobe time is a year that we're saving off yeah. of a trans person's time. It is complicated, but no, I love that. And there's so much gatekeeping, especially in the terms that we use. Mm -hmm. And I think that, what was it, neuroqueer? I love that term so much. That yeah. is, that might be how I start identifying neuroqueer. Right. It just, I love to talk to people and figure out kind of these new terms. You have an online course, how to talk to kids about gender. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And what terms do you use in that course? Absolutely. So I designed that course because everyone needs to talk to kids about gender, not just trans kids or parents who are in the community and are being extra thoughtful about this stuff. I want all parents thinking about this. That was the inspiration behind it. Full disclosure, it's not picked up in the way that I had imagined. <laughs> do you like to save money? I know I do. That's why I've started using Upside. Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to 22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional 15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code Cameron 634 Nine three six. That's C A M E R O N six three four nine three six to get fifteen more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cashback from Upside. 
I don't think anything is. Your audience for this podcast is a lot of parents of kids where they want to be more gender affirming. Maybe your audience is here. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. Right. Maybe it is. And I'm happy to offer a discount code um, <laughs> for the podcast. So what terminology gets used in that? So the bulk of that class, and it's, here's a little bit of a spoiler of it, is it's more about the parents unpacking their and caregivers, unpacking their own stuff around gender yeah. than it is actually about direct tools for talking to kids. Because the reality is, Parents have all the skills that they need to have some of these conversations. Like they know how to talk to their child. They know their child. What they're missing is the background education on some of these very kind of foundational concepts of like gender and sex being different and someone's sexual orientation being different than their gender presentation. And that, yes, there's correlation, but that doesn't equal causation. So there's a lot of let's get curious together about where some of your stuff around masculinity comes from and how that might be getting in the way of you being able to show up the way you really want to for your kid. I love that. And and then there's resources and like, it does help with the conversation. I shouldn't minimize it. But yeah, go ahead. I just I feel like you have to rectify your own gender and gender identity to get to a point where you can have these conversations and understand what people who have a different gender identity are going through. I think that's a common thing in all forms of mental health care, but especially when it comes to these conversations. And I think you have to like unlock cis plus before you can have these conversations. Yes. I love Is that. Is that where I'm at? Did I unlock this plus? <laughs> Hell yeah. That's amazing. The coins come like shimmering down. I don't know what you get when you unlock this plus, but yeah, that's amazing. This is really on brand with us. And I knew it was going to be just looking at your background here. We have two audiences. And so we have two questions that are related to that. One, one of our primary audiences, as I said, is parents who, as you said, might be in the community or might not be, but have a trans loved one, generally their child. And so are really looking for, again, our dynamic of cis guy, trans woman. How do you parent in that? But then mm-hmm. the other is we have a lot of young people that listen to our podcast and are worried about or know for sure that their parents are going to have a hard time mm-hmm. with their identities. So mm-hmm. I'd love to start with, without giving away the plot of the course <laughs> many more than you have, what advice do you have for caregivers who learn that their child is gender expansive, but you also mentioned just like in general, <laughs> like whether your child is gender expansive or not, what should a parent or a caregiver really be aware of? So the course, and I won't be giving much away from the course because the course is really about some of those kind of like foundational concepts and understanding these pieces. And then overarching ideas are like activities, toys, and jobs don't have genders. Expose your kid to possibilities and diversify the history that you share with them. They have exposure to a variety of different role models and so on and so forth. I think for parents who have a kid who's has come out to them, I think those resources look a little bit different. There does need to be a little more knowledge around some of what that journey could look like so that parents can show up for that beyond just like making sure that they have gender neutral toys or gender type toys, because there's actually efficacy to all of them. So it's about options. Overall, leading with love and listening to your kid when they tell you who they are is the best possible thing you could do. I do actually have a resource on my site that's a free download that's for parents or caregivers or whomever, really, of someone who has just recently come out. And it's called Now What? (laughs) I Um, love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A little bit of urgency in there. (laughs) (laughs) The punctuation is key, Hmm. you know, to really start to arm people with some information, but not an overwhelming amount of information. Because that's the other thing I see folks run into is they're like, okay, I need to learn right there. Caregivers go in either direction or somewhere in between, not to be too binary, but either they bury their head in the sand and are like, ah, this can't be happening. My kid isn't, this isn't right. This is like, something's wrong here. It must be some kind of rapid onset gender dysphoria, which, <laughs> oh, hey, Abigail Schreier here. <laughs> Listen, it's one of my favorite things to argue about. Yes. Or debunk folks, I should say. There's those. And then there's the opposite end of that spectrum sometimes where parents like try to read everything they can possibly get their hands on and it's too much, right? It's like trying to drink from a fire hose. (laughs) 
And especially with the amount of stuff that's in the news right now, it's just all too much. So I think taking small and attainable goals and kind of bite-sized morsels of information as you go is a good piece of advice as well. You're not going to learn everything overnight. Like we talked about already, terminology is loaded and nuanced and everyone's definitions are going to be different. I think it's a bit of a both and of do your own work and also listen to your kid and believe them when they tell you who they are. And that might make a good transition because one thing that I was thinking about is Anna did throw a lot at uh-huh. me when she came out because she had spent nearly her whole life researching and learning and accumulating information that then mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, excuse, I don't know what that all means. And so that may be a good piece of advice for a kid who is coming out to their caregiver is also you may have to give that information to your caregiver in bite-sized chunks too. Yes. And I actually have a resource for that too. Oh, that's I awesome. I should have mentioned that. Yeah. It's we will link to all this yeah. in our show notes, by the way. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's not on my site, but it should be. Yeah. I made a zine with another creator who basically helped like, how do you talk to your grownups about this stuff? And that's one of the pieces is they're not going to get it all and breaking it up. And like, I love that youth are like, hi, let me tell you the 12 different <laughs> words that I have for my identities. But that's when I get the voicemails from parents that are like, I think they're a plate sexual. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, I see you trying. Yes. And I didn't mean to cut you off. Also, how old were you? Oh, gosh. I think the first time I came out, I was around 12. At least having the terminology. Kim likes to use the story of I, when I was like three, was asked what I wanted to be when I grow up. And I said a woman. So I think that was probably pretty, pretty obvious. (laughs) It was pretty telling. Uh, the first come out moment. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I really appreciate how urgent it is for like now what? Because we've talked a lot about this. The first time that like I really did talk to Kim about this, it was not a great conversation. And you know, mm. again, part of that is on me. I had a lot of information because I was still trying to figure shit out myself. And part of that is also on him of God, this is so much information. What the fuck do I do with it all? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I could have come at it with a little more gentleness and love, which now we've had lots of time in this podcast (laughs) to reflect on those things and and help the next person. (laughs) And that's the thing is like parents so often like this is why I love working with parents, because so often they really do want to do right by their kids. They want to show up. And they don't even realize sometimes that the things that they say or the automatic reactions they have to some of these things are can be incredibly hurtful or just lack awareness. Right. And with no malintent, right? Like even the phrase that we use so often of I love you no matter what, is that supportive? Or are you saying you love me even if I'm this thing that is ultimately bad? Yes. Right. Because that's the frame. And parents don't usually mean that. They just mean I love you. And oh, that's such a good thing. This whole conversation has been a back and forth about like parents and kiddos and stuff. And I'm wondering, is there any specific advice you have for kiddos on coming out to their caregivers? I know we talked briefly about that, but or overall advice to kiddos, like what advice do you have for them? I would say, first of all, you're growing up at an incredibly challenging and very public time to be gender expansive. For many generations before, wasn't easy and it wasn't possible to be out in the same way that it is now. And we have some new challenges that I just think it's important to acknowledge for young folks like who are still choosing to stand in the fullness of who they are. That's really brave and really badass. And even if their grownups don't get them, that someone someday will. In terms of having those conversations with parents, caregivers, aunts, uncles, teachers, coaches, whomever, is really to think about what would be the ideal outcome of this conversation? Who is the conversation for? Is this someone I've trusted with information that's sensitive before so that you also know that this is, if you choose to come out to this person, that they'll handle it in a way that you think you can trust, especially if it's someone who you like, I want to disclose this, but I don't want it to be public information, just as a measure of self-protection. And on a like less pleasant note, I think thinking about the physical space that you're in and having a plan for any safety concerns is important. Many people have the privilege of knowing that their coming out might be bumpy, but not dangerous. And that's not the case for everyone. So I I always came out over text because I couldn't stand to be in the same room with people, which I'm not advocating for, but it was how I needed to do it. It is absolutely a technique. And I've had many clients do it. 
and many parents who've been on the receiving end. I think parents often feel, and I think this is probably a good note for people who are thinking about coming out. There's this tricky balance here of, I don't want to cater to my parents. It's not like, I don't want to prioritize their needs over mine. This is like a big thing about my identity. Yeah. And if we want it to go well, there's some thoughtfulness that could go into how this information is presented. I really appreciate I, the way that you frame that, that because yeah. it is our responsibility as the caregiver or the parent to be there for our kids. But mm-hmm. we are also humans. I was reflecting this with my own dad the other day. I was like, wow, he was my age <laughs> at one point, And I thought he knew everything about the world. And it turns out he, he never did. And I don't either. So yes. it's crazy. And it's beautiful that you can say that out loud in front of your kid, right? Because So that we don't have to wonder, like, <laughs> what's that going to be like for me at some point? Oh, I've never thought he knows and- everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've been pretty clear. I don't. <laughs> So there you go, which is beautiful parenting, right? (laughs) If we could all just admit that there's a lot we don't know and don't understand, which, by the way, is really what all of this comes down to is about people's capacity to sit in discomfort and not knowing together. And I think that applies not only to the caregivers, but also to the kiddos, people with these identities as well. Like, I'm still not certain in my own identity, and it's ever-evolving and ever-changing. We learned a new term today. I think that's important to to be aware of, too, is like, this conversation isn't just for caregivers or just for kids. It is for every single person who might be having and sharing this space. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's another audience there when we say kiddos can sometimes be a (laughs) 40-year-old who has finally (laughs) identified their who they are coming out to their 65 year old like this is not about necessarily age it's about the dynamics of caregivers and the people that they raise thank you so much yeah you beat me to it i was about to say and <laughs> sorry this is, oh, no, it's great this is about the reality that identity is fluid across the lifespan and so we yes. need to all stop pretending that these things are fixed and it would actually cause a lot less hurt i think in the long run can I segue us into oh, something? Oh, absolutely. Please, please I went this past weekend to a gender creative parenting retreat, which for folks listening, gender creative parenting doesn't have a agreed upon formal definition yet in a sense. But my kind of way of explaining it is about giving kids the opportunity to make choices and explore without imposing the limitations of the binary. Some people utilize what they consider neutral pronouns of they them for a child until the child is able to identify themselves. I don't think that has to be a requirement of gender creative parenting. So I like to explain that caveat there. But one of the conversations we were having was about name and what the experience is like for caregivers, what it was like choosing a name for your child, and then what it could be like for that child to change said name. And this is a conversation that I sit with young people in a lot and I sit with parents in a lot. And again, I just happen to sit with a lot of young people, but this could happen at any point in the lifespan. And I think there's, again, there's the expectation of permanence. If we could reduce that expectation, it wouldn't hurt as much. If we gave kids names knowing maybe they won't keep this, but today (laughs) this is the the gift that I want to offer them. And if at any point it no longer fits, then perhaps they'll let me know. Hopefully we will have created a space and relationship in which they can be open and honest with me about that. Because we have always seen names as a you get one or multiple names, like first and middle and whatever, blah, blah, blah. but that will be your name forever unless you get married or do like just a couple caveats. of other reasons we change names that seem to be swept under the rug when people are concerned about this. Yeah, exactly. As a person with DID, I love the idea of the imperm name. Like, I always have recommended people to ask names. Oh, hey, you saw me last week. Who am I speaking to? What is your name? What are your pronouns? Because honestly, I've met so many people who, who have fluidity in their identity who don't necessarily have DID or people who... I've got a lot of people in my life who also have DID or other sorts of spectrum of on the dissociative scale and who might have some other alters. And it's so important that we recognize that names can change and pronouns can change. And yeah, it might be challenging to change that in your own brain. But think about all of the work and effort that went into that person understanding their own name and identity well. And you may have seen our faces as you were bringing this up because this is like one of our classic stories. It was the only time that I really felt a sense of 
loss and sadness and expressed that to Anna, which didn't feel good to Anna yep. at all, you know, yep. of just like, I spent so much time changing, finding that name though. Like, how could you betray me like this? And Absolutely. I was like, oh my God, that is not the right way to think about it. But so it helps me to hear that other parents deal with that too. Oh, big time, big time, big time, big time. There is a grief process that a lot of parents go through, not just around their kids being trans, but around the name itself and like how much time, energy, connection. And often if it's a family name, right? But you loved your grandma. I loved my great grandmother. And it was like an honor for us to give you this name. And it feels like this rejection to parents. when It is a ritual. (laughs) It's a ritual. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think it's an interesting concept and something I've been mulling over since the weekend of just thinking about the way we relate to names. And if Cam, when you had been picking out a name, you had thought, maybe this will be my kid's name for 13 years, yeah. 10 years, or <laughs> 20 years, or however many years. And then we'll see. It might have felt different. I don't know. But there's that sometimes for folks preconception, like of literal child conception, <laughs> they already have a name for a kid they don't even have yet. Yes. And so there's a history that comes with these names that whoever gets it has no idea what the baggage they've been handed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so true. This conversation is so important. And I think so many ways because names are important and it's how we identify ourselves. But I also wonder like so many kids have nicknames that they go by. And does that feel like a grieving process to parents? If your kid's name is Jonathan and they want to go by John, that doesn't feel as important, but they are changing the name that you gave them. So I wonder what that difference is and where that feeling comes from. Yeah. And I do see that with parents, right? Where they're like, why can't you just tack an A on the end of the name we gave you? (laughs) (laughs) That'd be easier for me. Yeah. 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 How can you accommodate my emotional needs here? And I'm like, okay, hear that. I understand that there's a part of you that really wants your kid to keep this name. But yes, it's a, it's what you said, right? It's whose discomfort are we prioritizing? So I'm going to full pivot on you here, Let's but I think that there's a thread that connects back. And that's just this idea of how we define the world around us and the terminology. And I know this is not going to be new for you because one of the things that's been weaponized against our community, of course, is what is a woman? Just that term. So I actually saved a listener question for you. And I think this is the first time we've asked a guest a listener question quite like this. So this is, yeah, hey, a a new honor for you. Wow. But I thought it was really applicable just given your background and experience. So listener uh, Toast, thank you so much, Toast. Yes, they say, hey, I am a young trans woman, I think, but I do not know what womanhood is and Mm. what defines a woman. How can I know I am a woman if I don't even know what a woman is? I do not mean to invalidate anyone with this, but it keeps bothering me. I would greatly appreciate any help with this. I okay. sorry. I just wanted to say it's really interesting hearing this question as a trans woman, because I imagine, Rebecca, you and I might have very similar but different answers to a question like this. So I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about this question and i'm excited to share what i think as well yeah do you want me to go i'd love if you could go first yeah yeah you okay so first of all thank you for this question toast Mm -hmm. i'm living because i think about this most days (laughs) this is a slight sidebar but it's also the question that i ask that gets me the most flack on online and really just brings out the turfs they just they swarm whenever i ask what it means to be a woman And I also think it's hilarious because sometimes they say really transphobic stuff to me. And I'm like, oh, you're you didn't do your research. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, never menstruate. And I'm like, yeah, you and I have this in common. Let's just take that because I'm not offended by your terrible transphobia. I'm a cis person. So, yeah. Like, go ahead. Tell me again that I'll never understand. So I think the question, I swear I'm going to answer the question, (laughs) but I have more questions, which is really, I don't think anyone knows the answer to this question. and. I think while masculinity is also a question of what that looks like, I think what it means to be a woman is even more of a mess in some ways. And so I love asking all women this question. I especially love asking cis women this question because, and I don't usually make that distinction for the purposes of this discussion. It feels important because trans women are women. Thank you. And thank you. Yeah, (laughs) I feel so valid right now. (laughs) I'm so glad. And I really hope that you didn't need me to say that, but I will say it to you every day if that's what you need. 
So I pose this question often, and I don't know if you both ran across this in your digging around of my internet <laughs> presence, but I... We had our PI team searching deep for these ones. <laughs> Back in the archive. My favorite thing to put out there is what was at one point I called the cisgender identity challenge, and now I'm just calling the gender identity challenge. But it's the question is, can you define your gender? And can you explain how you know you are that gender? without using any gendered terminology or anatomical language. Yes. And it's a stumper. Like I feel like when I present I'm going to try this later. I'm going to try this. I'm going to make a note right now <laughs> yeah. and I want to try this. I want yeah, I, I hope everyone listening tries it. And I think like part of me wants to leave like a moment of silence for people to think about it. <laughs> but What's fascinating is when I posted that the first time, it blew up like by far the most traction I've ever gotten on any post. Then tons of comments came flooding in. And since we're focusing this question right now on what it means to be a woman, I'll keep us in that lane at least. So the responses that I got from women overwhelmingly were either I know I'm a woman because I am a mother or because I nurture or some kind of caretaking thing that's they understand their femininity or their womanhood through a relational lens. Or there was the very disturbing number of women who were like, I know I'm a woman because of the ways in which I've been oppressed and the ways in which I've been assaulted and spoken over and overlooked for jobs and not given adequate. The list goes on. So it got me thinking, what would it look like for us to define womanhood in a way that isn't deficit focused? What would it look like for us to talk about framing womanhood in terms of like power or capacity or for joy or connection, whatever it is. And I've gotten away from my point, which is that the other overarching answer is that people are like, I just know. And so my answer to toast is, if you know, you're a woman, you're a woman. And the reality is, most women don't even know what it means to be a woman (laughs) or why they're a woman. And the turfy ones are like, you can't sit with us. And I'm like, why? Because you don't even have a cohesive like mission statement (laughs) what y'all are up to. If we can't define womanhood collectively, then we can't exclude anyone from it either. Yeah. And if we're going to accept that answer that like, I just know, then we need to accept that answer from trans folks as well. Yes. I'm glad you took the biological piece out, like specifically called that out. But interestingly, I think that I have seen the trial of, I still want to explain this, but without the genitalia part of it, in which case then it's always the birthing part of it, which I find very fascinating. So so when that argument is removed as well, and again, we need to acknowledge that there are a lot of women who cannot give birth. So, a, a lot, right, sorry, a lot of cisgender <laughs> women who cannot give birth as well as trans yes, women. Thank you. It is important yeah, to make yes. that distinction because a lot of cisgender women who can't give birth are forgotten from that argument. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No. And that's incredibly important. Right. And that's where so many of the arguments break down if you just comb through them a little bit more, right? Of Okay, you understand yourself as a mother, as someone who gave birth, but there are also plenty of trans mask folks who give exactly. birth. Exactly, yes. And are incredible caregivers. So does that define womanhood? Not for them. So it's a great question. I love this question. And this is where I really see this all of these conversations needing to be outside of the echo chamber of just allyship and trans-focused spaces. I want all people everywhere to have to confront some of these questions. And I think what I love about what the two of you are doing here is you're modeling what it looks like for someone like Cam to have to get curious about (laughs) some of this stuff. Think about the things that we have to think about on a daily basis is how how I like to frame it. Because it really is. We have talked a lot about Cam's own journey and his coming out and his experiences on this podcast. And it's really been a very strengthening relationship for us. But it also has been a learning opportunity for everyone to see that, to know that this This man who is so confident in his masculinity that he's willing to talk to his transgender (laughs) daughter about gender and femininity and the fucked up patriarchal world we live in every two weeks. Like, we love to see it. Exactly. I'm a glutton for punishment. out there but i want to it's funny because i used to always say i was the straight man in our comedic act or (laughs) like the person i'm not i'm the queer man in this case (laughs) 
to have the conversation, we noticed that a lot of conversations are between trans people about yeah. trans identity. And that was one of the reasons why we really wanted you as a guest is because you are also looking to partner with people who are exploring their gender processes. Yeah. And I'm sure have learned an immense amount from those conversations. Yes. But yeah, this is where the learning comes from, is by having people who are different have conversations about what makes them alike and where we need to be supportive of each other. And yes, thank you, Anna, for being there when I came out as a queer person, because I had to deal with a lot of entrenched masculinity and queer phobia to get myself to a place where I'm like, hey, in this really public <laughs> forum, yes. I realized that, you know what? I am. And that's great. And when was that? Oh, boy, a, a year, year ago. ago yeah, yeah, almost exactly okay. a year ago. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was not something that came as a shock to me. We had a lot of conversations open and honestly with each other about many things, which is just a product of our relationship. But I have been proud of Cam for so many different things. And that is one of the moments that I think back to of being the proudest of him I could have ever been. When I realized that I am like a daughter saying this. I know, I'm like... <laughs> But honestly, like the forum and the platform that we have takes so much courage and strength and fighting to be on. And I say that as the trans woman part of this. The one who is the targeted <laughs> one of us in this situation. Yes. But that doesn't mean that I that everyone who comes on and everyone who experiences this space isn't also then needing to take on some of that weight that I carry with me in my daily life. Rebecca, I thank you so much for coming on because you're going to take on some of the weight that I carry by doing the work that I do. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important. I have work. a system. Yeah. <laughs> but drawing back to the question at hand by Toast, which again, thank you, Toast. I think we're going to say that a lot of times. I love the name, by the way. Toast, great name. I know. It's satisfying to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> It was a long and roundabout way to get there, and I loved it. But honestly, I'm going to side with Rebecca, which is like, if you feel you're a woman, you're a woman. That's the definition of what a woman is. <laughs> That's the definition yeah. of what a man is. If you feel like a man, you're a man. And I think that trying to limit that is just a form of gatekeeping. And I don't think that's beneficial to any of the conversations that we're trying to have. What is beneficial is accepting people for who they are and breaking down the patriarchal oppression that all of us face. <laughs> and this is all connected, right? And cis women are like serving the patriarchy like nobody's oh, business. Oh god, they really are. <laughs> <laughs> like ladies, like <laughs> and I don't usually use <laughs> groupings of gender terms like that, but ladies like come on. You are contributing to your own suffering. And we have a lot to learn from trans women and femmes, like people who've been like some of the most incredible and powerful women. I, and I love the term femmes because that honestly is it. It's femininity is inherently anti-patriarchal. And so when you have a high femme person, that person is rebelling in every sense of the word because I identify as a high femme lesbian. Hell, I've got my yes. strong lip look going on right now. You have your lips. You you've have your, you're serving a lips. lipstick lesbian right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Janelle Monet, eat this up. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. In front of dad, oh, yeah. I would love to meet Janelle Monet so bad. <laughs> How do the three of us make that happen next? <laughs> That's a great question. Janae, if you're listening, <laughs> hit me up. But no, Toast, the answer to your question is if you feel you're a woman, you're a woman. And if it's complicated, it's fucking complicated. And that's oh, okay. Yeah. It's okay to have complicated feelings. <laughs> and Rebecca, going back to something that you said earlier that is continuing to bounce around in my head, maybe tomorrow you won't feel like a woman. And that's part of this too, is that gender fluidity is also valid in this. Right. And not being non-binary is also valid in this. And so the society is targeting trans women because it feels... It, We've got that militant nationalist viewpoint that like that's where we can really do the most harm and they're right but it, in a lot of these spaces it then forgets a lot of other people who have a lot of more expansive identities too yeah absolutely and i think yeah there's this concept that like everyone else is certain and sure in their identity <laughs> and so it's like just me that's questioning and the reality as someone who's spent thousands of hours with people no one knows <laughs> Like yes. everyone, myself included, is still figuring this shit out in real time every day. And the way our identities intersect informs all of this, too. I understand my femininity through the lens of my queerness also. 
And more recently, I now understand it through some of my neurodivergence and sensory stuff. I'm like, oh, that's why I don't like certain clothes. It's not because like I love a high femme pencil skirt, but sometimes I'm like, I feel like trapped (laughs) and clothes are designed to do that. So yeah, I could go on. But yes, basically, no one knows. Everyone's figuring it out. And you get to call yourself a woman. Fuck yeah, you do. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to being a woman. (laughs) Welcome to being a woman. None of us know what's happening here. Yeah. (laughs) We look good doing it. Oh, yes. I think Cam might have frozen. <laughs> I know. Oh, and there oh, he bye, went. Cam. Okay. <laughs> He'll join us again. <laughs> I'm the host now. <laughs> you booted him out. You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> We've rejected the patriarchy entirely. <laughs> He's probably panicking right now. Probably, too. yeah. It's so funny. I, I'm actually planning on going to school this fall for my social work degree, hoping to go and... Wonderful. I'd love to be a gender specialist myself. That's so exciting. I would be honored to be a part of that process. Oh, that would be wonderful. It took me a long time to figure <laughs> out how to get to this place because there weren't classes and certi- certifications and things at the time. There's certainly more of those now, but I am always like, where are the trans femme <laughs> therapists? Yes. Like, we need them. And like, yeah, I love all the trans mask and non binary therapists, but there are lots of them. And some of our clients really desperately need to see themselves reflected in the people that they're working with. And there's great power in that. You just let me know when you're ready. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd love to come and like intern under you or something whenever that yeah. happens. Because yeah, no, I was like, oh, I've got so many connections now. But I was like, it's important to me that the people who message me get the care that they need. And thankfully, I, ha- I come from an emergency background. I am an EMT. Okay. And I've worked in crisis for a long time. But through doing this, and I'm sure you've seen this well, we get messages all the time of I have no support. I don't know what to do. And I'm uh, struggling. We and just got a message the- from someone in Senegal. And it is just weighing on my heart right now because there's nothing on and I can do personally and there really aren't a lot of support systems governmentally or within that structure and it just hurts but as I'm just so glad that Anna's taking down this journey because one thing that she can do is provide some emotional support through this and just say your experiences are valid what you're doing with is scary that's probably the best that we can do yeah it's been so funny because Cam and I learn from each other all the time and there are so many things that like I need to learn from him about what it's like to maneuver in the patriarchy as a cisgender man because sometimes Mm -hmm. that's what's necessary is you have to conform but i think we have talked a lot about there are times where he needs to learn from me on how to have these difficult conversations with some of these people because it is it never gets easier (laughs) Mm -mm. but you can at least have some tools to make sure that you're keeping everyone safe yes yeah and then tools for keeping yourself safe psychologically as someone who's holding all of those messages and stories yeah we are huge practitioners of self-care and everyone who's listening please take care of yourselves drink some water right now to you yeah water (laughs) check water reminder we all drink our water i really could use a water reminder always i feel like i'm just gonna release a quick audio clip of water reminder and you can set it on your timer there you go hear my voice i like that better than the voicemail idea we had last time we recorded this time it's your daily water reminders <laughs> i will record three i'll record one at my usual volume and pitch i'll record an asmr one and then i'll do a like water reminder yes love it <laughs> i love it i'm uh, sorry i disappeared there you've gotten so off track <laughs> i'm glad you all continued chatting in the meantime here all good so two questions that we love to wrap up with one is what else do you want us to make sure that we know about you or that our listeners know about you? Um, and the other is, where do we find you in the world? And how can our listeners take advantage of your smarts and your resources? Awesome. I'm going to answer those in reverse order because <laughs> of how my brain just received yeah. them. I <laughs> The best way to find me is through my website, which is genderspecialist.com or on Instagram. I have accounts on other platforms, but Instagram is where I spend the majority of my online presence time. And that's gender period specialist. I couldn't get the one one word. Uh, I know, not available. But I tell myself this one's better for accessibility. (laughs) So yeah, nice reframe, right? Therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So all the resources I mentioned are easy to find through my website. 
And wait, now I'm forgetting oh, yeah. what the and first so, question was. Just, well, what, what, what have we not missed? asked you that we should have asked you? Or what did we miss in this conversation? I feel like we had a great conversation. We covered a lot of good stuff. Because I didn't get a chance to debunk and discuss my feelings about rapid onset gender dysphoria, I would direct folks towards my blog, which is easily found on my website about the flawed ideas behind ROGD and just ask folks to, if they're open to it, to sign up for my newsletter. I'm working on a book right now. And the way one gets a publisher and an audience or a publisher is to have an audience for said book. And so they're very numbers focused. And if you sign up, if you follow, if you do the things, it would be a great service to getting information out in the hands of parents who really need it. So that would be my ask. Once you publish that book, we're going to want to have you back on to talk about it. Exactly. Great. Great. We'll start the book tour. Yeah. Right here. We'll do one episode about the book tour, and then we'll do another episode about rapid onset gender dysphoria (laughs) because it is- Oh my God. Great. It is my mortal enemy. I don't know why I'm- I probably shouldn't even start my own podcast. I'll just start coming on this one regularly, and that's fine. Yeah. We'd love to have all that money for no reason. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. You do. This has been great. Thank you, Rebecca. This has been really informative and just some things that needed to be reinforced to our audience that you really just hit home in a way that I think is going to be really heard. So thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah. And if we get any hate for any of this, I'll take it. (laughs) I'm ready. We love to end every episode with a gender euphoria. Rebecca, do you have a gender euphoria for us today? Oh, I love that question. Yeah, I actually just cut my hair even shorter the other day, and it just feels so good. And I really looks good I feel, too. Thank you yeah, so much. It really does look good. I feel like over the years, I've gotten more and more comfortable, kind of like toying with like high femme plus some mask or whatever you want to hair shouldn't be gendered, <laughs> right? But I like fucking with people's ideas around gender. So I'm like, oh, I'm wearing a dress and I have short hair. Figure that out. <laughs> so yeah that's my gender euphoria moment oh i love it thank you so much for sharing with us absolutely if you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning and you'd like us to talk about it on the show please shoot an email to questions at transgenderpod.com click the chat with us button on our website or dm us on social media and if you'd like to support the show you can become a patron on our patreon shout out this week to all of our current patreon subscribers we love all of you And thank you so much for supporting the show. Also, be sure to check out our episode description for links to resources on today's topics, specifically all of the things that Rebecca talked about. And I guess we will also link the wiki how that we... (laughs) The horrifying, horrifying Dr. Teeth wiki how. I don't think I've done that in the past, but if you want to see this weird looking doctor man, I'm happy to share that with you. And thanks for listening. I've been Cam. I've been Anna. And this has been The Transgenda. Love you all, except the biggest.